You are listening to FPEA Connects, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to episode number 78 of FPEA Connects. I'm glad you're joining us today. We're going to talk in a minute about a great topic. But first, hey Sharon. Hi. How are you today? Good. Good. So I have a question for you. What? Are you reading much lately? I am. <laughs> How did I know I that? Am <laughs> Tell me what you're reading. Well, I found a series on Kindle um, by an author named J.L. Knight. Okay. And the series is called The Ilion Chronicles. Okay. I think that's how you say it. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, and I read through those. And then I found a similar author through her on Goodreads, actually. Mm-hmm. Her name is Trisha Mingerink. I believe is maybe how you say her last okay. name. And hers are the um, the Blades of Actar series. Either way. <laughs> Weird name. Yes. <laughs> and I read through both those series really quickly because I okay. enjoyed them so much. So, yeah. They were good. And J.L. Knight, one thing, because you mentioned her to me and I was looking her up. Yeah. It's actually a name spelled out J-A-Y-E. Yes. I believe. And then middle initial L, night with uh-huh. a K. Right? Yes. So, because I was trying to look up, you know, initials JL, and it was oh. like, this is not working. Yes. <laughs> but that's um, that's very interesting. I know you really enjoyed those books. Yeah, they were really good. And um, I think you were telling me that you felt like they were also appropriate for even like young adults. Yes, they're definitely young adults. And so, Friendly. they're, yeah, so very clean books. Well yes. Written. And so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned and I'm glad you found them yeah. because, you know, we're always looking for good books. Yep. And, um, definitely recommend them. <laughs> and glad you always like, um, you and my son, Ethan, always like yeah. to kind of share titles. Yeah. So y'all have similar, similar reading lists. We do. So, we do. and taste. So that's good. So now he's got something new to spend his money on. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, me, you know, I love dual timelines uh-huh. and time travel yes, and do. things like that. And I have not been in the books as much as you guys have had a chance to be <laughs> lately, but I'm taking a trip and I'm planning on getting a good book for the trip. And so, um, the dual timelines though, to me are always so interesting. They're usually seats in some kind of, you know, history uh-huh. or a time period that's interesting yeah. to me. And, um, you know, I found a couple of interesting authors that are new to me, but that I'm kind of seeking out. Mm-hmm. Um, one that seems to be, you know, really well written, according to some of the reviews that I've read, is uh, The Clockmaker's Daughter by Kate Morton. And that one sounds like it'll be interesting. And then um, The Masterpiece by Fiona Davis. So I'm looking forward to kind of diving into that. But, um so the reason I jumped on you so quickly was, uh-huh. what are you reading? Because yeah. we're talking about that today. Uh-huh. Um, and really what I'm talking about is literature-based homeschooling and uh-huh. kind of what that means um, for people. You know, I always go back to when I started homeschooling and when people would ask me questions or throw out terms or phrases that I didn't always I didn't always grasp or pick up on. And sometimes, you know, it just helps to kind of define some of this for people who are trying to feel their way through this homeschooling journey and they don't really understand 
where all that's coming from. And then also today I wanted to kind of talk about literature-based homeschooling because a lot of people who um, ask about it some of the times um, I think are really curious as to whether or not it works. Yeah. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of interesting studies and statistics about people who read and kids who read, and some of that gets lost in translation, but some of it really does apply. So mm -hmm. I like to kind of talk about this topic and focus on it a little bit because, um, you know, here we are in September, the kind of early part of the school year, first part of the school year for, um, you know, traditional schools. And the, for us, we kind of cycle to that's the beginning of our homeschool year as well. So right. I'm always looking at what are we reading this year because we do very much literature-based mm -hmm. um, education. So what does it mean when you say literature-based homeschooling? What does that mean to you? To me, it means that you uh, your kids read a lot. <laughs> read a lot. <laughs> no, read I lot. feel like they incorporate a lot of books, whether it be his fiction, his history, you know, a lot of the just literature yeah and it helps expand their horizons and my that's how I see it simply it really put does. it really <laughs> does and I think the funny thing to me is um people that talk about literature based homeschooling with young children that don't read yet mm -hmm. and so I think a lot of the times parents are like well you can't tell me the education is just reading to my kid but there's so much the benefit and value yeah, that we've really, really learned is that comes from that reading to your kids. So, um, so literature-based homeschooling, like you said, simply you're going to rely on novels, um, living books, or even picture books mm -hmm. instead of textbooks primarily as your main source of information. Yeah. And, um, again, this kind of goes back to that method of the way, you know, our founding fathers would have learned and, yeah. and learned from reading great books. Um, so I think that there's kind of four ways that I look at that you can kind of enjoy mm -hmm. stories and enjoy literature that way. You can read aloud to your kids, which is what you have to do before they can read on their own. Right. Right. And um, once they start reading, then you can have one of the children read aloud. Right. So it can kind of become a family event where you're reading to each other and everybody's learning and, and sharing in it. Um, of course, as they get older and can read independently, they read independently. And then you can also listen to an audiobook together. So for us, with our literature base, we do. We travel a good bit and we're on the road. We listen to a lot of audiobooks. Uh -huh. And I can say for audiobooks that for me, I think one of the best things is one of, one of my children reads really, avid, you know, voraciously. But my other is was a little bit more slow at coming to that. Mm -hmm. And some of the books that I wanted her to be interested in, she didn't want to read, but now she's listened to them on audiobooks, and she really has liked it. So yeah. it's inspired her to go to the next book. Right. You know? Right. So I think <clears throat> that audiobooks are great. Yeah. And yes, they count. That's one of the things people will ask me, well, does that really count? Sure. Yes, it counts. Yeah. <laughs> it counts. I love a good audiobook. Yeah. And I think that sometimes people get um, hindered a little bit by starting to do the literature-based homeschooling, and they have... You know, and I would say that I was probably guilty of this to some degree, too. Uh, I was fortunate that most of my children all enjoyed to be, you know, being read to mm -hmm. when they were little. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're starting this, especially if you're starting it as a homeschool method rather than just this is what we just do. Right. You know, 
that you kind of have these dreams of, oh, I'm going to call my children around me and they're going to sit at my feet and listen to me <laughs> read and sit in my lap and it's going to be warm and fuzzy. And yeah. It's not. <laughs> no. It's not. Uh, especially if you've got multiple age children. Yeah. You know, sometimes um, you have a younger one that doesn't pay much attention and the older one that's wanting to get on to the next thing and not look at the pictures. And, you know, yeah. it's just a, a different thing. One of my favorite things, <laughs> things to tell people when I'm talking about this is that, you know, your children are going to learn to love this. They will, and they'll learn to enjoy it. But, um, my daughter has three children and they moved, um, to Tennessee and, you know, it was really important to me that we were going to be far away. I still wanted to feel connected to them and do things with them Mm -hmm. that I would do at my house with them. And so they are eight years old, six years old, and three years old. And so I said, well, I told my daughter, let me at least, I'll pick out a book every week and I'll read it to them on FaceTime, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, I love that. I know. And so we started doing that and it was all great until, <laughs> until the three-year-old just wanted to take the phone and look at what I was doing and not let it, not let anybody else see it, <laughs> you know? And so we had some challenges there through some of that. <laughs> through some of those times mm-hmm. but you know ultimately they enjoy reading and yeah. they enjoy the books and they enjoy learning so I think that you know the, the key to it is consistency mm-hmm. once the kids get used to this and once they're um engaged even different age levels they'll mm-hmm. they'll get used to it and they'll enjoy it right um so whether you have like all small children or all big children or a mixture of both literature-based learning can really work for the whole family um and with some subjects, you can literally school everybody. Now, you know, if you're reading something that's historic um, nonfiction that's based in, you know, read facts and you're right. trying to read to everybody, it really helps and it works out. If you're doing art history uh-huh. or music history, reading about composers or artists, all of that's really great to go across the ages um, mm-hmm. with literature-based curriculum. But um, I think one of the other questions that, you know, people... Um, well, I, this probably was really true for me. I was a pre-reader. So if my son was going to read a book, um, I wanted to read it first. And, you know, there's a whole story behind that for me with him. I wanted him to read good stuff and not things that had a lot of crude things or questionable things. And so a lot of children's books that were seen to be coming out at his age when he was coming into reading on his own, I was always like, you know, what am I going to do? As a result, we found some really great authors um, along the way mm-hmm. that they were unexpected authors that we really kind of had to right. look for. But, you know, so this is where people start to get overwhelmed because I did. Um, they get older and the books get longer and I'm busy and my son wants to read this book and I can't pre-read this whole, you know, thousand page right. book. So what do you do? You start feeling kind of like <gasps> overwhelmed. Um, but I found that, you know, of course, ideally, as they're older, you want them to read on their own and not every book is going to be something the family reads together right? or, you know, there's a read aloud, but you still want them to have good, um, books and you still want them to have good conversations with you about what they're reading mm-hmm. because that lends to a whole different level of the education process. Right. Right. And so there's a couple of things you can do. Um, there's a couple of places where you can go and check for like plugged in for reviews on book ratings and movies and, you know, also, but books that, you know, uh-huh. if you're questioning, you can get some feedback. Information on them. Yes. 
Yes. They didn't know that resource um, existed. Yeah. And then there's also, you know, I found that for some of the books, cliff notes are good because I can read cliff notes and pick up and books. pick up stuff. Yes. yes. So cliff notes, if they're books that, you know, would, would render cliff notes typically. Um, and then I also found that I could buy like instructor's guides. So there's a lot of curriculums that have guides for the kids that go along with the book and they have, you know, um, it's, it's very hands-on stuff like worksheets or uh-huh. things to do and answer. And so I could get those and I can pre-read basically what the book covers and know what the themes are and what the, you know, author, who the author was and things like that. So I think that, um, there are still ways that you can connect with your child and, and pre-read sort of, you know, things that you want to make sure that they have good literature mm-hmm. in their hands. So um, don't let that overwhelm you. Um, and you still, you know, I have found that with my son and now with my daughter, she's kind of moving into more of those places with reading. Um, they they read fiction sometimes that I haven't always read, you know, a lot of information uh-huh. about. And um, the conversations come from them retelling the story to me. So you have to have yeah. patience sometimes yeah. <laughs> yeah. that we can really build some good conversations and still talk about things mm-hmm. just from them retelling the story. Um, I think another question that a lot of people ask is, will my kids or your kids really retain what's necessary? If you're learning history by reading novels or reading multiple books do you really get the big picture do you really get a a clear understanding of it well i i think absolutely i think you almost Mm -hmm. remember it more because it was presented in a more interesting way but i will also say that when i went to college and my degree was in history Mm -hmm. um I had, I didn't even have textbooks. They were all all literature and, um, they were all, a lot of them were just literature books, literature books. I remember one semester I had maybe 15 books to read and that's how you learned about it. It was, and I think it's more effective. Well, and I was going to say when I became a homeschooling mom, um, after I was a history major in college, Mm -hmm. that was one of the reasons I wasn't scared to go to literature based learning because as a history major, you I don't think have it's a literature lot of based. It is all literature based. Right. It really is. A lot it of is. it is. And so I think that it is effective. And like you said, absolutely, you're going to remember it. And some of the things, you know, instead of getting a list of dates and facts yeah. and all of that kind of stuff, I mean, you're reading a story that's engaging. You're reading about yeah. a hero. You're reading about, you know, evil. You're reading about all these things that are going to help you remember. And you're, that so much better. And you're going to learn it. more elements of like how it felt and like that. Whereas yeah, black and white history textbook is not going to convey all the different facets of um, uh, overcoming obstacles and right. victories and being let down. Right. Yeah. There's so much more emotion right. conveyed. And I think that it helps you remember connecting I think it does. to that. Um, so yeah, your children will definitely remember um, what they read and, um, you know, I, I still look back at some of the books I read as a kid that had a huge impact on my choices for reading later and how I still love to read today, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that that's all part of it. Um, so <clears throat> a lot of people ask me to why I chose to use literature based approaches mm-hmm. to homeschooling, um, And I really, (laughs) this is, 
for me, it was natural kind of with my two kids. I have five. Two of them have homeschooled from beginning, um, you know, through. And going into homeschooling both of them, um, I really did not want to deal with a lot of the being bogged down and, you know, workbooks and things from the beginning. So literature was really easy for me. Right. And we love books and they learn to love books. So mm-hmm. I, um, you know, really did that. But I also felt like it gave me a lot of freedom, um, a freedom to, you know, pursue what I was interested in or things that I felt were important to read to my children. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't necessarily being driven by anything else. Um, without using some of the more traditional kinds of curriculum and textbooks, I didn't feel overwhelmed by um, testing and those things early on. I felt more like, you know, I can gauge whether or not my children are retaining and reading comprehension and all those things based on what they can tell me. Mm-hmm. So that was, it was very freeing from that, but it was also, um, I think one of the ways that my children and I first at a very early ages developed um, the conversational relationship that we have. Uh-huh. We can talk about books and about things that happen in books, but as they grow up and some of those things that happen become like real life experiences, they can talk still, you know, so the conversation and the door for conversation was opened very early because we're talking all the time. We're reading together. They're reading to me and we're talking about things. Right. So I think that that's really important. You know, when you're reading, especially young, I think you you lose some of the stress that you get, that you feel from people that are trying to drive you to go to real strict, you know, um, curriculum based learning that forces things um, and, and it doesn't always bring joy and pleasure to kids whereas right. a book will you right. know so that was good for me there are some really good books that you can read um, if you're interested in kind of creating a, a homeschool that's based on literature based homeschooling learning um, one is the read aloud family making meaningful and lasting connections with your kids um, there's the Read Aloud Handbook, um, Teaching from Rest, A Homeschooler's Guide to Unshakable Peace, uh, For the Children's Sake, Honey for a Child's Heart. So all of those, some of those are, um, the first three that I mentioned, those are books by Sarah McKenzie. Um, and For the Children's Sake is Susan Schaefer McCauley. Uh, I've referenced that one several times in other um, podcasts that we've done because it's just a great book. But, um, so there are some books that you can really, you know, go to. There's other resources that will really help you if you're interested. Even on Pinterest, you can find literature-based learning. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Literature-based learning is great. So, um, I want to talk about one in particular resource that I used. And it's not real often that I do this as far as, like, you know, choosing, like, picking out one curriculum because there are so many good ones I've used a multitude. I've never been a one curriculum person, so I pick up bits and pieces of everything. But um, the this one is one that I like to mention, and it's because I don't know that it gets as much um, exposure as it used to get. And I was first exposed to it um, at our convention. It's five in a row, and um, at a convention years ago. And I went in and I actually heard Steve Lambert speaking 
about literature and the importance of it. And I was, I was sold. I was very convinced. Like I said, I'd already learned uh-huh. myself from a literature based approach. Right. So I felt like, you know, yeah, I really need to kind of embrace this. Um, so it was one of those things that FPA did for me that I love <laughs> and so appreciate. But um, so the Lamberts created this curriculum and it is, you know, like I said, something that I was really glad that we used. But one of the concerns that people will have sometimes with literature based curriculum, um, there are several. One is creating a curriculum, like creating learning around it, mm-hmm. other than just reading. What do you do with it? You uh-huh. know, that's one concern. Another concern is the acquisition of books because that can become costly and it also can become a hindrance, you know, for people. And sometimes even with some of the classic literature and good literature that Mm -hmm. you'll find suggested, sometimes it's out of print. Yeah. So that's a real thing that, you know, I ran into that through the years. So the thing that I found with um, five in a row is we were pursuing it is that I found a lot of the books at library libraries. I borrowed mm-hmm. them from other people who, you know, were using the same type, type of curriculum. Right. When I first started, Amazon was not a real option. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but Amazon now, I've looked these up for, you know, my own daughter who's using this with her children. Uh-huh. And you can really find some of the books pretty cheaply and quickly on Amazon. Um, and, you know, you've got Kindle and fire you know you got all kinds of options to read electronically Mm e-readers so um that's that's one of the things that i would say looking at five in a row um the curriculum has a kind of a unit study focused approach for each book and it lists in the volume so what they have is the premise of the book is five in a row you read a book five days in a row so you're going to read the story about pink it's a book Okay, and you're going to take that book and for five days, you're going to read that book to your child. Okay. And in the volume of their curriculum, they've got that book. And I always loved this about it. It tells you about who the author was, when it was written, and usually what kind of art was used and medium was used to create the art in the book. So Uh you learn about the illustrator as well. And then for five days, there are all these different options of, um, activities to do with your children based on the age levels that would be appropriate for reading the book to begin with and um you know you'll have math activities if it's a book about ducks you might count how many ducks are in the book if it's you know um in a different country you've got a lot of geography you'll have Mm -hmm. history you'll have time period Mm -hmm. relative things um math is included so any kind of core subject you'll hit throughout reading these books with your children and um and then some because just like art we used to do a lot of art when we were reading through it Mm -hmm. and then cooking and they have uh, volumes that come along with it that focus on things like uh, bible stories and holidays and so you can really expand it to include Uh just about anything one of the things i loved about it um i used five in a row only pretty much primarily with my youngest child. Um, My older child, we had already started other things and we used it some, but I was still kind of, you know, falling into it. But um, with my youngest daughter, she was the one that used it all the way through and from the beginning. And 
I don't remember even teaching her to read because she just learned to read. Mm -hmm. And part of that is when you're reading five days in a row, you're going through the book. And of course, you use your finger to show them the words that you're reading to them. Yeah. And they're following you and looking yeah. at the book. And she really did just stumble in to learn how to read. Yeah. It was just by the nature of doing what we were doing. And um, so, and that was kind of, you know, the history behind this is the family that created it. The mom was an educator herself for, you know, several generations of her family were educators. And she started homeschooling in the early 80s when it was very, there were very little curriculum options to choose from. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of just designed her own curriculum around great literature for children. And so it comes, and this truly comes out of that desire to have a great literature basis for your children. So some of the books are classic, great children's books. Some of them are books that you don't see now because it's not, you know, Disney's Frozen or any other right. Disney book that right. you might pick up. Um you know, in Barnes and Noble right now, some of these books you have to kind of look for, but they're great children's books that are just classic. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, you can find their products online. You can look um, for a million and a half activities besides what's in their books on Pinterest boards, right. because there actually are a lot of people who use the five in a row, you know, curriculum, but you just don't see it and hear about it a lot. Right. So, um, that would be one that I would just kind of, you know, give a real thumbs up to because it really impacted our family and it was really good for us. Um, and I think that it's kind of quiet out there sometimes, mm -hmm. but, um, so that's kind of, you know, my thoughts about literature based, um, homeschooling and how to get started, why we did it. Mm -hmm. Um, is it effective or not? I actually was um, looking at a meme on Facebook the other day. That was saying that the, you know, ACT scores are related to how many books yeah. you read to your children. I saw that basically. same thing. Did you? Yeah. I did. And so I can't, I cannot stress enough how much um, the literature based learning has driven my own children to be self educators mm -hmm. and I believe lifelong learners because yeah. they love to read now and they will pick up a book and learn what they want to learn. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a great um, approach. There are many curriculums that support the approach. There are right. many options. It's not just one. So if you look, you know, for just one curriculum named literature based learning, you're not going to find it, but you can find a lot of resources that right. will help you along and to make good choices. Yeah. So, all right. I guess that um, we can probably put some of those things on our Pinterest board to kind of help along. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say thank you for talking with me today about yeah. books because we love books. We do. And um, for all of those listening in today, just thank you for joining us. If you're considering homeschooling or maybe you're already fully engaged in homeschooling, remember this. FPEA is your source for all of your Florida homeschooling needs. You can check out our website, www.fpa.com, for exciting opportunities and valuable resources. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, or Instagram for other great tidbits and resources that are sure to help you as you create your customized homeschool journey. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed our show and will join us next time for FPEA Connects. You can find us on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network at ultimateradioshow.com. 
For more information about FPEA, visit us at our website, fpea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Until next time, stay connected.